What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Let's say you're hiking and you roll an ankle. What have you been taught to do? You've been taught to ice your ankle, right? You've been taught to use rice, which is rest, ice, compression, elevation. But do you know why or is it something that you've always done? Turns out icing is not the right thing to do. Not only is it ineffective, but it's actually delaying your healing. And we've talked about this on an episode before, but today, on today's show, you all are in for a treat because we have Gary Reinel, who's known as the anti-ice man. So there's this belief that after acute injuries, you should be using the rice protocol. And Gary dives in to why rice should be put to bed. So keep listening to hear why and how he got that title of the anti-ice man, the evidence around and against the rice protocol, where it even came from, and what to do instead, and also lots of science. You will definitely enjoy this one. Very informative, and you will probably stop icing your injuries after you listen to it. So enjoy. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston podcast. On today's show, I am on a Zoom meeting with Gary Reinel, who works with all of the professional and elite athletes for H-Wave, is also known as the Anti-Ice Man, and is the author of Ice, the Illusionary Treatment Option. Welcome, Gary. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I am excited to learn what got you the title of Anti-Ice Man. Well... (laughs) I gave it to myself. There you go. <laughs> so I, I wrote a book called Ice, the Illusionary Treatment Option. And the reason that I wrote the book was because I recognized something was wrong. And what was wrong was the rice protocol, rest, ice, compression, elevation. I realized it was wrong. And the most popular part of that acronym, uh, that treatment protocol, is ice. That's what people talk about. Even though the other three things are also wrong, Ice is what I went after because I don't want to fight the whole world at once. Now, just in case someone's listening and they're saying, well, who does he think he is? I know exactly who I am. I'm a reporter. I'm a teacher. I spent seven years interviewing the most elite physical therapists, athletic trainers, and sports medicine docs in the country 
with virtually every major sports franchise, professional sport franchise in the country, military bases with some of the most elite trainers and therapists and doctors in the world, working with our elite athletes, both military and uh, professional. And then many universities and, uh, and um, uh, elite athletes, like MMA fighters and things like that. So just in that elite category. And what I realized was that we had a problem in that rice was wrong. And I know it's wrong, but how can I prove it's wrong? So I went and interviewed everybody and asked them, what do you do when someone gets hurt? Someone rolls their ankle, what do you do? And they would tell me and I'd say, well, so you have any evidence that's true, that that actually worked? And after about the hundredth person saying, well, no, not really. I don't, I don't really know. I never really tested it. I just, you know, I kind of do it. I said, okay, well, this is a little bit of a problem because it's wrong. Now, just to clear it up right up front, I'm telling you it's wrong, so who am I? Well, it just so happens that the doctor who made up the Rice Protocol, Dr. Gabe Merkin, in his 1978 sports medicine book, after he read my book, Ice, the Illusionary Treatment Option, Dr. Merkin publicly recanted, said I made this up in my 1978 sports medicine book, research has clearly shown I was wrong, don't do it, it delays healing, and then gets a specific reference to the fact that it causes additional damage. Dr. Merkin not only recanted, he then wrote the foreword to the book that took down his legacy. So I got the doctor that made up the most recognized reference recommended protocol in Western medicine to not only recant, but to write the foreword to the book that took down his legacy. So that's who I am. There we go. You got to be pretty infamous then. Yeah, I'm sure there's some people who would say other things, but yeah. <laughs> what put you on this journey? Like, did you wake up one day and you were like, I don't think this is right. And then you were like, I'm going to go after it. Great question, actually. Uh, uh, what happened was I, I came, I, I, I had been in other markets in, in the therapy world. Uh, it started back in 1973. I had the seventh novelist gym in the world. And I did sports medicine back in those days before it was called that. And then I went into the world with women during the pregnancy year. And then I did uh, sports medicine for 95-year-olds in the senior living industry. So I have a long stretch back to working professional world-class athletes that I worked with back in my Nautilus days in, my, in, in the early 1970s. So when I made the flip, I decided I wanted to go back to the professional athletic world. And in my day, when I was there back in the early 70s, I was one of the smartest people in the room. And I really knew how to use my equipment. I knew how to get you stronger. Well, when I came back to that world in 2000, um, I wasn't the smartest person in the room anymore. In fact, I wasn't qualified to be in the room regarding strength building. Uh, there had been a whole new group of people who came along with degrees in kinesiology and exercise physiology. And that didn't exist back in my day. I took you in, put you on the knowledge machine, showed you how to use it. That's all I had to do. And I was one of the best. Now I'm not that, I'm not that qualified. And in fact, I, I think it's fair to admit I'm not qualified to be in that room anymore. But I wanted to come. I wanted to do it. I wanted to come back to professional athletics and, and with lead athletes. So I took the uh, H-Wave product, which is a product that I was using in my programs through the years, which is basically to decongest the area in and around the damaged site and rebuild the related vascular network. That's what the product's for. And I said, well, 
how do I fit this into the most popular protocol in Western medicine, the rice protocol? Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out how to, how to push it in so that I could be part of where I want to go into professional athletics. Well, to do that, you have to go and ask people, hey, where's this fit in? And I wasn't getting very good reception. You know, maybe a few people were nice to me, but there was no volume. It was, this was not a big, a big, oh, gee, Gary, we're glad you're here. So I started asking, why do you do the rice protocol? And people would tell me, you know, prevent uh, swelling, get rid of swelling, uh, help the body heal. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So where would, where would H-Wave fit into that? I thought, well, H-Wave helps to decongest the area in and around the damage site and cause sprouting angiogenesis, so to rebuild the related vascular network. So I see where, I see my value, but I don't know where you put it in the rice protocol. Well, a little bit of reading quickly realized that you wouldn't want to use a muscle activation device after you made the tissue cold. And you clearly wouldn't want to do it while you were compressing the tissue. So where would I insert while they're resting, while they're icing, while they're compressing, while they're sticking the body part up in the air? Where would I get in? So I had to go on a seven-year journey of interviewing anybody who would talk to me. And that includes uh, uh, some of the most elite, uh, well, Let's just say, if I'm considering if you're the head trainer or the director of rehab for a professional sports franchise, you've reached the top of the heap. So I'm sure there's a high school athletic trainer somewhere that's really qualified and that's all they ever want to do. Okay, I get it. But I went to the top of the heap and said, talk to me. Where do I fit in? And then I quickly realized that I needed to know more information. So I started reading, started organizing the literature. The more I read, the more I organized, the more I realized there was no support whatsoever for the rice protocol. And there clearly was no support for icing. In fact, the opposite existed. You shouldn't ice. I was like, oh boy, now what am I going to do? So I kept, kept going, kept organizing, kept looking. People would ask me, well, so when would you use your product? And I'd say, I want you to use it if, before you ice, if you're going to ice. But use me first and then decide what else you need to do. And that's about all I ever said. I never volunteered any more information than that. But then I learned more, and I learned more. And then I got to a point where I said, we got a problem here. Because they don't know the goal. And I don't mean in a negative way. The people that I was talking to, this is you know 20 years ago I started doing this. The people I was talking to didn't really know their goal. And I had to make up the goal. Like, what are you trying to do? Someone rolls their ankle. What are you trying to do? That's a fair question, right? Now, is it make it cold? Is it prevent blood flow? Is it cause atrophy? Is, I mean, is that what you're trying to do? Well, that's not it. So what are you trying to do? Because what you're doing is doing that. So what are you trying to do? And you quickly realize that what you're trying to do is prevent further loss and regenerate that which has been destroyed, right? That makes mm -hmm. sense to you? That's not, yep. that's not no trick words there. No, there, you don't need a dictionary. You don't have to go check with your mentor. You're trying to prevent further loss and regenerate that which has been destroyed. Okay, that's fair? Hey. So then all you have to do is ask, well, what causes further loss? Not using and this is, this is what I had to do. I had to go through the process and say, well, what causes further loss? 
Well, it's mostly up front would be the congestion. The congestion in and around the damaged site will suffocate and kill otherwise perfectly healthy cells that were not involved in the initial trauma. Knight mistakenly called that hypoxia, uh, where he's saying it's secondary to the original problem. Well, he's wrong. It's not secondary. Uh, sorry, even though he became famous for that. He's not correct. It is not secondary cellular death. It's primary to the congestion. That's not semantics. It's very important to understand the difference. If it's secondary, you're kind of stuck with it. If it's primary to the congestion, if you remove the congestion, it doesn't occur. Okay, so now we know that if you would decongest the area in and around the damaged site, you would not have the, quote, secondary cellular death because it wouldn't happen because it wasn't congested anymore. So how do you decongest the area in and around the damaged site? Well, a quick look through the literature and you find that the waste has to move through the passive lymphatic system. So then you say, well, so the passive lymphatic system, how does that work? Okay, code word, passive, okay? It's passive, which means you have to activate the muscles in and around those vessels to in effect milk the cow backwards. So that's the way it works. You push the waste up a chamber, the empty chamber now has negative pressure, pulls waste out of the interstitial space, and so on. So you milk the cow backwards. So that's how you decongest the area in and around the damaged site. Now, simple question, rhetorical, I don't really expect you to answer, but because I don't want you to be right or wrong with me, I just want to tell you where I went with this. So the quick question is, do you think sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around the area while stick it in the air, it's going to move waste through a passive lymphatic system. Hopefully your answer in your mind is no, that wouldn't work. Okay, good, because it doesn't work. And it can't work because that's not the way the lymphatic system works. So clearly the RICE protocol is wrong if you're trying to move waste to a passive lymphatic system to decongest the area in and around the damaged site to avoid the suffocation and killing of the otherwise perfect healthy cells that were not involved in the initial trauma. Long sentence there. Should be like 12 periods, but I just do it in one sentence. So there you go. So what else causes loss? Well, disuse atrophy. And then you say, so what causes disuse atrophy? Oh boy, another, another key word here. It's called disuse. So would sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around the area while stick up in the air, would that prevent disuse atrophy? And the answer is no, it would not. So it wouldn't work for preventing disuse atrophy, which is the second major problem. Now, it just so happens that, that if you look at what else goes wrong, the next thing going wrong is a little bit of a twist because what it is is faulty scarring. Faulty scarring leads to adhesions that lead to reduced or lost functional range. So that's an additional loss. It's a little different than the first two because they're a little heavy hitter. That one is like, it's very real, but not as, let's just say, as bad as the first two. But it's still a big one. So you say, okay, so what causes faulty scarring? Well, a failure to reorganize to repair tissue. Going back in your textbook, remembering there's three steps to healing, inflammation, repair, remodel. So that's what those three things need to happen. So you, you have the inflammatory response, get the debris out of the area, get the mess out, clean up the mess, uh, bring in the, uh, the insulin-like growth factor, bring in the stem cells, make the tissue regenerate. Okay, now you've got to reorganize that tissue. If you don't reorganize it, you'll develop faulty scarring. And by the way, if you use ice, 
on that tissue, that will cause an increased collagen production, and that will also lead to faulty scarring. So the faulty scarring leads to functional loss. So you say, okay, there's three big things that go wrong. You're going to suffocate and kill otherwise perfectly cells that were not involved in the initial trauma. You're going to cause disuse atrophy, and you're going to cause faulty scarring or loss of functional ring because of the adhesions. Okay, so those three things are really big. And then you say, so that's pretty much the loss category. And there's a couple other little things in there, but that's, a, that's the three big loss categories. So remember, your goal is to prevent further loss and regenerate those who've been destroyed. Okay, so how do you regenerate that which has been destroyed? Step one, you've got to rebuild the related vascular network. It's not an option, you have to. So how do you rebuild the related vascular network? Well, sprouting angiogenesis is about the only way to do that. And, and again, for anybody who's listening who doesn't have a real deep background here, when you see the bruising under your skin, that's broken vessels. So you've got to rebuild that related vascular network. If you don't give blood supply back to everybody, those things can't survive. So you've got to rebuild the related vascular network. And how is that done? Well, it's done by sprouting angiogenesis. Well, what causes that? Uh, let's just go back to our base question. Do you think sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around the area while sticking up in the air is going to cause sprouting angiogenesis? Pick no, because it doesn't. So now we've got a big issue here where it's how do I regenerate that which has been destroyed? I got to rebuild the related vascular network. And then what else goes on in that process? Well, what you've got is, is the elevation of what's called myostatin. And in the bodybuilding world, in the weightlifting world, everybody knows about myostatin because they take a, 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 a drink, a powder drink called MyOX. And MyOX uh, is a, a way of lowering your myostatin levels. Now, why would they want to lower their myostatin levels in the bodybuilding world? Because myostatin inhibits muscle regeneration. What elevates myostatin levels? Sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around the area while sticking up in the air. So the less activity you have, the more your myostatin levels elevate. The higher your myostatin levels, the less opportunity for muscle regeneration. Now, just a little in parenthesis, why would it be designed that way? Well, if on one side of the formula you're atrophying from lack of use, from disuse, you wouldn't simultaneously want to rebuild or regenerate that muscle. So you've got this when your when your disuse atrophy is is dropping the muscle volume the myostatin is preventing the regeneration. And when you just use the muscle, the myostatin levels lower and the disuse atrophy shrinks or is lessens. So you go, well, this is really interesting because here I've got five things that I need to deal with. One, suffocation killing of otherwise perfect healthy cells were not involved in initial trauma from the congestion. Two, the disuse atrophy from not using the area. Three, I've got the faulty scarring and the loss of functional range. And then in the regeneration side, I've got to rebuild the related vascular network and I've got to lower the myostatin levels. So these are the things I need to do up front. Okay, now let's just go over this in really hard, hard, straight line question. Can you show anything in the literature? Can you show me anything in the literature? I'll take something in crayon, by the way. Anything in the literature that says sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around the area while sticking up in the air is going to decongest the area in and around the damaged site, is going to prevent disuse atrophy, is going to reorganize repair tissue, is going to lower your myostatin levels, and is going to rebuild the related vascular network. 
There's nothing that says the Rife protocol is going to do that, and yet that's the recommended protocol. So taking it apart was relatively simple once you thought it through, but now the hard thing comes. What does do it? What will decongest the area in and around the damaged site? What will prevent disuse atrophy? What will reorganize the repaired tissue? What will rebuild the related vascular network? What will lower your myostatin levels? So there's only one thing, and that's loading the tissue. Nothing else. There's no, there's no option. It's the only thing that works. So now here's the trick. Imagine if there were five different stimuluses needed to solve this problem, this five-stage problem. So you have to do this to decongest the area, this to prevent a retarded disuse atrophy, this to reorganize the repaired tissue, do this to rebuild the related vascular network, and then do this to um, lower the myostatin levels. Now, just think how insanely impossible that would be one thing does all five simultaneously. All you have to do is load the tissue. You load the tissue, that activates the muscles in and around the damaged site and decongests the area. Simultaneously, the muscles will produce and release PTC-alpha-1. The PTC-alpha-1 is what blocks the disuse atrophy, blocks a retard disuse atrophy. It's probably not going to get it all, but, but it could. So uh, it blocks or retards the disuse atrophy. That stress, that loading, that caused the waste to evacuate by the passive lymphatic system, which caused the production release of the, the uh, PTC-alpha-1 that blocks the disuse atrophy, will simultaneously reorganize the repair tissue, thereby avoiding the faulty scarring and the loss of functional range. Simultaneously, it will cause sprouting angiogenesis, and simultaneously, it will lower your myostatin levels. So muscle regeneration is no longer inhibited. Now. That's so dreadfully simple that you would think, well, how, why is this guy even on a podcast explaining this? Okay, I can tell you the reason. You won't find it written in any textbook. You can find everything I just said in your textbook, but you won't find it together. Why? Well, because it's not there yet. Where did rice come from? Why? Uh, very interesting what happened there. Uh, it's the whole first chapter of my book, by the way. So I'll give you the abbreviated version, but if you ever want to call me or anybody listening wants to call me, I'll give you the long version, or you can just read it in my book because it's a whole chapter. What happened in 1962, a young boy by the name of uh, Everett Knowles hopped a freight train. He was 12 years old, hopped a freight train in Somerville, Massachusetts, and in celebration, cheered for himself. And with that, hit a stone and button and ripped his arm right off tore his arm off. He fell to the ground, thought he broke his arm, picked his jacket, his arm up in his jacket. He didn't know it was off. Walked up the hill. Some guys at a mill saw him, uh, realized he was in trouble, called the police. They got him over to Mass General. When they got to Mass General, the young doc named Ronald Malt uh, looked and made a decision that would change the history of medicine. And he said, you know what? We've got a fully intact arm and a perfectly healthy 12-year-old. Let's put it back on. Now understand, that never happened before. So we're going to do something never been done before. He's got the perfect candidate. First of all, he's got Mass General, which was one of the most developed hospitals in the country at the time, probably still is. And you've got a perfectly healthy 12-year-old and a fully intact arm. Let's put this thing back on. Okay, so here's what happens. They got to go get the people to do it. There's no fax machines. There's no text. You got to go get everybody. 
So people are running around trying to get the team together to do it. While Dr. Malt was standing and waiting for everyone to come back that he had requested come to help, because you know, you need a neurosurgeon, orthopedic surgeon, you know what kind of people to do this. This is, this is crazy talk you're gonna do. We're gonna put this arm back on? Well, you need the right people. So Malt gave the order, which again, changed the history of sports medicine. He said, while we're waiting, put that arm on ice. Now, why would you put an arm on ice that's severed from the human body? The same reason at a fish market, everybody's on ice. Because it'll rot if you don't. So the ice will actually slow down the rotting of the tissue. It does. It actually works for that. So now they put the arm back on and the fingers turn pink and everybody's cheering and it's a wonderful day and news is quickly spreading that they successfully reattached it and the blood supply was there. And this was no picnic, by the way. This was, this was hard work for the next five years for the young man and the doctors involved. Now with that, uh, the media started asking questions. The, the news reporters started asking questions. Hey, if this ever happens, what do we need to know? Because remember, before you just threw it away and hope you didn't bleed to death. That's all you had to do. <laughs> and the doctor responded, I do not have a reference to who said this, but I'm the only one who ever traced it back. And I got it back as deep as I could to tell you just now that everything I told you is actually recorded in the media, in the news media. You can see it. <laughs> so um, the doctor responded when the media asked, you know, what do you do? He said, look, here's what you need to do. Remain calm. Don't panic. Most important, that became rest. Uh, Keep the severed body part out of the sun, out of the heat. Keep it cool. That I became ice. Use a tourniquet to prevent a bleed out. That became compression. Keep the intact part above the heart to limit blood loss that became elevation. So the RICE protocol has utterly, literally nothing to do with managing damaged tissue. Instead, its entire purpose is to prevent a bleed out and preserve severed body parts. It's completely mismanaged. But see, the public didn't care about that. The public heard put it on ice. They put it on ice. So everything became ice. Billy bumps his knee, put it on ice. Mary bumps her head, put it on ice. Everybody, the school nurse says, put it up, put ice on it. I was just talking with a, with a brain surgeon uh, last week, uh, last Wednesday. And uh, we started off in a very uh, moderate conversation. And it quickly escalated when he said, I read your book seven years ago. It changed the way I practice medicine post-op. And I went, wow, you read my book? I got a brain surgeon and read my book. <laughs> this is pretty cool. But no, it really happened. And then we started to talk. And he said, you know, Gary, my colleagues don't, don't understand this. And th th they're still telling everyone the ice post-op. And in your world, I'll bet very often patients who come to you have been told the ice post-op. Yet the literature clearly says, give you ice post-op. It's going to delay healing. And it's going to cause additional damage. It, there's no question about it that does. But more importantly, rather than debate that, which it's not even a contest. I, I, it's wrong to do. But let's go and ask the big question instead. Rather than debating whether ice is right or wrong, because it isn't just ice. It's the whole rice protocol. Resting. Okay, let's just think about this. Resting. That decreases or lessens 
vascular and lymphatic flow, correct? Rest would, would decrease. Okay, if I make it cold, that's gonna further decrease lymphatic and vascular flow, right? If I compress it, in other words, press, compress the vessels, the very vessels that the nourishment and waste, the repair and cleanup crew are traveling through, that's, that's going to slow things down by compressing it. Then if I stick it up in the air, the best you can hope for is that it will improve circulation in one direction. Clearly, the other direction's compromised. So at best, it's helping it in one direction. It's, it's definitely not helping it in both. But the reality is by sticking it up in the air, that doesn't move waste to your passive lymphatic system at any significant level. Now, does it at all? Okay, let's just say it does a little. Uh, I, I have a swimming pool outside my window here. And I could go out to the pool and I could empty it with a shot glass. Oh, you know, a one-ounce shot glass? I could, and it would work. Ultimately, I could empty my swimming pool with a shot glass. Well, that's about how effective it is sticking your foot up in the air if it's swollen. That's not how waste moves through your passive lymphatic system. That's just not how it works. Now, elevate it doing angle pumps, that'll work. But it's not the elevation. It's the ankle pumps that move the waste. It's, that's what moves it. It's not the elevation. So here we've got this situation where the RICE protocol has nothing whatsoever to do with managing damaged tissue and it's the most recognized reference recommended protocol in Western medicine. It's an absolute disaster. Your school nurse will tell you to do it if you bump your knee. Your next door neighbor will tell you to do it if you're a high school pitcher. Oh, by the way, it's a little thing in parentheses here. I have all 30 major league baseball teams and more than two out of every three major league pitchers have heard my message. Over a million people have heard my anti-ice message, by the way. More than two out of every three major league pitchers use my technology. And it's like, how did you do that? I went and explained to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I asked them a question. Why are you doing what you're doing? What, what's your goal here? Well, uh, you want, want, want to recover. Okay, well, how do you recover? What do you need to do? Well, you need to decongest the area in and around the damaged site and rebuild the related vascular network. That's what you need to do. Okay, is that is what you're doing, doing that? And of course, the answer is no, it's not doing that. So that's how I got into it. I feel like you should do a TED Talk. <laughs> that, I think, is the next step. <laughs> because so many people watch TED Talks. Because all of this makes sense. Completely agree with you. Have been saying this all along. And it's when, when you hear it, you're like, okay, duh. But yet, you're right. So many people, PT school, still teach rice. Yeah. Patients come in. My doctor told me to ice. Oh, you know, well, I just go home and I ice it. Coaches. Oh, someone rolls their ankle. Okay. Ice it, put a brace around it, compress it. Like it's everywhere. And you're like, why? And you're like, cause it's rice. That's just what you, that's just what you do. It's what you do for an acute injury. That's what you do for even a chronic injury. People still ice like chronic back pain and it, it doesn't make any sense. And now we have cryotherapy. And now we have ice baths, um, which also just sound miserable. Um, and people paying monthly memberships to go sit in a cryotherapy tank. Yeah, they do. And the, the literature is very clear on that, by the way. It says it both dampens the vascular and muscular adaptation. So if you just trained and you go sit in an ice tub, it dampens both vascular and muscular adaptation. So is that your goal? No. I mean, the literature is very clear. All you got to do is Google it and you can see what it says. So I try not to argue the ice side of the formula, although I'm willing to give all the references to prove it's true. Uh, there are four worldwide reviews done in the past six or seven years, maybe eight years now, 
And the worldwide reviews all conclude the same thing. Although popular, there's no evidence whatsoever it's beneficial. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the opposite exists. There's undeniable proof it's wrong. That it's not and, just that it's not doing anything beneficial. It's that it's actually causing harm. Well, it's sure. It's actually Go delaying the response that you want. Well, how could it not if you think about it? See, see, some people think inflammation's bad. That's one of the big That's things. That's the problem. So here's, the, you're, you're exactly right. The problem is that the two words have become interchanged. And I have a chapter on this in my book on inflammation and swelling. Inflammation and swelling are two entirely different things. Inflammation is step one of three steps of healing. So it's inflammation repair remodel. That's supposed to happen. You can Google it and you can see it. You know it's there. It's taught in all the schools. So we now know that inflammation is necessary for the healing process. That's what brings in the repair and cleanup crew, puts off the signals, makes everything happen as far as repairing the tissue. Now, on top of that, we've got this issue where you've got the um, repair and cleanup crew trying to get to the damaged site and you're trying to block it. And as a result of trying to block it, because you think inflammation's bad, you're actually stopping the repair and cleanup crew from getting to the damaged site and the waste from being evacuated. So now we're at this spot where we go, well, well, wait a minute, then what's swelling? I don't want swelling. I got to stop swelling. Well, hold on, hold on, go back to your textbook. What does it say happens when you damage tissue? It says the damaged vessels constrict, convert ingredients into blood, the clotting factors, grow a clot, repair the vessel, dissolve the clot, and normalize flow in three to 10 days or so, okay? Comma, the healthy surrounding vessels dilate and increase perfusion. So you are suggesting to me when you think you need to block the fluid from getting to the damaged site, which by the way is mobilizing repair and cleanup crew and trying to come to the site to fix the problem, which your immune system, your innate intelligence has dilated and increased perfusion of that very fluid you're trying to stop. It's wrong to interfere with it. However, letting it accumulate, well, that's a mistake. See, it shouldn't accumulate. Swelling is not a good or a bad thing. It's merely the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle you have not yet evacuated. Hmm. You get what's going on? It's been given the wrong, people think, oh, the, the inflammation, I gotta get it out. No, 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 no. You wanna get the swelling out. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, swelling and inflammation are two different words. Mm -hmm. Inflammation is phase one of the three-phase healing process. Swelling is merely the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle you have not yet evacuated. That's all it is. Now, how do you evacuate it? Okay, now we got the right question <laughs> via the passive lymphatic system. That's the only way out. So what's their solution? Compress it and make it cold and stick it up in the air and don't move. Well, now, how in the world would that move waste to a passive lymphatic system? And then the geniuses will come along with, if they read my book and they'll say, oh, so you're suggesting we use heat? I'm like, oh. no. No. The problem with heat is it passively dilates the vessels. So here's the problem. Your immune system has already dilated the healthy surrounding vessels and increased perfusion. You now put heat on top and that passively causes increased flow with no exit plan. Mm. So that's why you never do it. That's why ankle pumps work. 
because ankle pumps are bringing in supplies because it causes that uh, nitric oxide kind of vasodilation. So the, under stress, the vessels dial, the muscles relax around the, the blood vessels and that lets more fluid go through because the, you know, the muscles around the vessel uh, relax. So that increases the flow in, but now you're putting heat on and you're causing a greater influx in. And on top of that, there's no exocrine. Mm. So you don't want to do, you don't, that's the last thing you want to do is put heat. Well, no, the last thing you want to do is do the rice protocol. Heat would not be as bad as that. Now, if you did heat and ankle pump simultaneously, at least you have an exocrine. But don't increase the flow in that your immune system has already increased and then increased perfusion. Don't mess with that and make it even more without an exit plan. And so what goes wrong? Uh, people mistakenly feel that if they will block the fluid from getting there, somehow that would make less swelling. And you say, well, okay, let me get this straight. There's a crash on the highway, okay? Ooh, yeah. On 95 near you. Okay, there's a crash. Okay. 526, say that. 540, 526. 526. There's always a wreck. It's okay. So there's a crash. So you, with your experience, say, ah, what I need to do is build a roadblock a mile before the crash, and that'll stop the traffic from being in a long line in front of me. And you go, no, wait a minute, stop. If you build a roadblock, the repair and cleanup crew, the police, the EMTs, the tow trucks can't get to the damaged site. Why would you want to block them from getting to the damaged site? Well, of course, you don't want to block them getting to the damaged site. So then why are you doing the rice protocol trying to prevent the repair and cleanup crew from getting to the damaged site? Say the analogy is very clean. It's very real. Why would you want to block that? Well, you don't want to block it. What you don't want, so you got to get the right question. What you really don't want is swelling. You don't want the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle to not be evacuated. Mm -hmm. So how do you evacuate it? By activating the muscles in and around the damaged site. Your first week of PT school, and maybe before you got there, you were taught ankle pumps. You may have been taught that in undergraduate work. Well, what's an ankle pump? Uh, it's called muscle activation. That's what moves waste to your passive lymphatic system. So I have an analogy for the whole thing to, to look at swelling. I want to say it one more time too. Swelling is merely the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle that you had not yet evacuated. Get it? That's all it is. Don't ever think of it being good or bad again. It, it isn't a good or bad. It's not the enemy. It's not your friend. It's merely the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle you have not yet evacuated. So here's my analogy. If you knew it was going to snow 24 inches in the next 24 hours, if you knew that, one inch per hour, if every hour on the hour you would open your front door, with a good stiff broom, you could effortlessly keep that one inch of snow off your sidewalk. It would be simple. If, however, you wait till morning and open your door to 24 inches of angry snow, I assure you it will not be simple and you will not clear it with a good stiff broom. You know it's going to swell. Why don't you do something about it? Your lymphatic, okay, you roll your ankle. Is your lymphatic system broken? No. You broke your arm. Is your lymphatic system broken? No. So why aren't you using your lymphatic system to move that waste along the path to exit? Because you're supposed to rice. Come on, Gary. You're supposed to rest. Yeah, rice is nice. <laughs> I, I actually had a professor say something really funny in one of the schools I was talking at. He said, well, Gary, you know, by rest, we don't mean rest. I said, oh, cool. I said, what's rest mean in your dictionary? 
I mean, I don't know. In my dictionary, it says rest means don't do anything. Yeah, what else does rest mean? Well, he said, no, no, we don't mean rest. I said, well, then change the first letter. Ice. <laughs> now it's just ice. Well, <laughs> Even worse. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you want me to do. And you said, we don't, by rest, we don't mean rest. What does rest mean? And then here's a question for all your icers out there who are, who are throwing a little uh, mental tantrum fit. 40 years of widespread use, tens of millions of individual treatment sessions in the past 40 years, right? Easily, it's more than that, but I'm just, just tens of millions. Okay, so uh, you've got this protocol you recommend to put ice on stuff. Um, how cold should you make it? How long should you leave it that cold? How often should you make it that cold? How will you know when you have it that cold? How do you compensate for the different levels of insulating factors of body fat? So say someone at 7% body fat and someone at 21% body fat, how would you accommodate for those insulating layers of fat? Uh, what if it's a deep bone bruise? What temperature should you take that to? Wait, what about if it's a superficial muscle? How, what temperature should you take that to? And by the way, how would you take the deep bone bruise down to that temperature without destroying the superficial muscle? See, these are very reasonable questions. If you have a real protocol, you should be able to answer every single one of them right now. And I will bet you can't answer one of them. You know how I know that? Because I've asked thousands and thousands of therapists, doctors, and athletic trainers that same question. No one's ever even attempted to answer. Oh, well, we use a towel. A towel? What's a towel do? Well, it protects the skin. I'm like, well, it protects the skin. Well, wouldn't that also insulate from the cold? Well, yeah. So how cold are you making it? Well, we don't really measure that. You don't really measure that. Okay, so let me get this straight. You've got a protocol that says that I should use ice and I should do it for 20 minutes on, 40 minutes off, 20 minutes on, whatever, whatever your protocol is. But you don't know how cold I should make it. You don't know when I've got to that temperature. You have no formula whatsoever dealing with insulating layers of fat. So, by the way, it's a huge difference if you're 21% body fat or 7% body fat oh, yeah. as far as the, the depth of penetration. Then on top of that, if you had a deep bone bruise or a superficial muscle, how would you know how cold to make it? And by the way, should you, make, uh, should you put ice on a ligament, a damaged ligament? Are you sure? You think you should do that? And people go, well, I'll, 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 I'll think you put it on a ligament. Uh, how about should you ever put it, like, say, uh, over the elbow? Oh, no, 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 you don't want to ever put it over superficial nerves. Oh, so I wouldn't want to put it over my parallel nerve then, right? No, 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 don't ever do that. Well, why? Why, why, why shouldn't I put effort over the nerve? Well, because the literature clearly identifies the fact you'll kill the nerve. And by the way, you probably heard something called frostbite. You know what that is? That's where you kill skin. And do you know that if you put it over muscles, it'll actually kill the muscle cells? And I suspect those stem, stem cells, those muscle stem cells that are lying dormant in and around the muscle, which is where they reside, when the muscle's damaged, that's how they rebuild. And a lot of people don't know that, but that was discovered maybe 25 years ago. So we know the stem cells are there and they're just lying dormant, waiting to be reactivated. Okay, uh, I don't think I want to be a stem cell in an area where ice can kill the skin, the muscles, and the nerves. And I'm a stem cell living in the same area. Now, I've never seen the literature that the stem cells are killed by the cold, but I'm figuring it's because no one ever did that test. But regardless... Why are you so concerned about frostbite? Why are you so concerned about putting it over a nerve, killing muscles, possibly killing the stem cells? You see, here's all the issues with it. You've got a protocol you've had for over 40 years, tens of millions of individual treatment sessions. 
and you can't even answer the fundamental questions of what's the protocol. Not to mention the fact there's nothing in the literature saying it's a good idea. In fact, the opposite exists. So what's the alternative? Well, I made up one call. I made up a Rita. Active recovery is the answer. Okay. So whether a Rita ever becomes popular or not, it's not my concern. A Rita. Okay. A Rita. Active recovery is the answer. We made up, up, mm, which is just movement, 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 movement. I like that. said MOLM which is movement, optimal loading, movement. Yes, that's it. Active, that's the same thing. Active recovery is the answer. Rita. What, what happened with mine was I was on, the, I was on a call, uh, and this is on my website too, you can see it. Uh, I was on a call and a reporter from the Toronto Star uh, asked me, well, Gary, if rice is wrong, what's right? And I said, hold on a second. Arita. And she said, what's Arita? I said, active recovery is the answer. She said, you've been saying that for the past hour. I said, yeah, but I never did the acronym before. Yeah, now we got an acronym because apparently you need an acronym for it to well, it's Arita. Active recovery is the answer. I like mm, by the way. I think that's a really right? good one. Mm. <laughs> that's a really good one. Well, and so, also rice takes out any of the like responsibility. Like it means that once I get injured, I don't do anything anymore. And so it kind of takes out like, okay, I, I get to rest and I just have to sit there with ice and I compress it and I elevate it. It takes out the, like the self-efficacy and the, the responsibility for, no, now you have to go out and you have to deal with this. And now you have to start moving again and start getting back to where you were. It's like a way for us to be like, oh, well, you got injured. You were just unlucky. You're a victim. Well, I'm with you on that. And what, what to fix that problem i've figured out the question you've got to ask up front until you agree and whoever i'm talking to i won't i will not debate rice i won't do it i'll talk about it but it's so wrong i won't debate it because anybody who tries to argue with me i'll destroy them and and and, and then people think i'm mean so i don't i won't go there what i ask up front is Let's agree on what we agree on. What's the goal? And once we agree on what the goal is, to prevent further loss and regenerate that which has been destroyed. We've got the five things we've got to deal with. Suffocating and killing of otherwise perfect healthy cells were not involved in the initial trauma. The disuse atrophy, the faulty scarring that leads to loss of functional range. We've got the rebuilding of the related vascular network. And we've got the lowering of the myostatin levels. Once we agree on what the goal is and we identify those five points i've never had anybody argue with me after that they no, just go be silent well it's like what's your question sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around it will stick up in the air that ain't going to work it's just not how it works so that's not going to work so stop it now i had a uh, uh um a physical therapist who uh, i would i can give you his name and contact information offline because it wouldn't be fair to put his name up with what I'm going to say now. But he called me uh, several years ago and um, he said, Gary, I got to tell you what just happened. It's just amazing. I had a, um, had a player with a longitudinal quad tear. And um, we did what you said. 
In other words, they didn't let the 24 inches of angry snow accumulate. Mm -hmm. They began activating the muscle in and around the damaged site for six and a half hours, nearly immediately post-trauma. Mm -hmm. So you got to let it stop bleeding first, but that's a couple minutes it stops bleeding. So for six and a half plus hours, they activate the muscle in and around the damaged site with our H-Wave machine. His words, we turned a four to six, win four to six week injury into running in three days, playing in the world championships in 10. Now, this is a longitudinal quad tear. They measured the blood in the quad with ultrasound before they began pumping it, activating it, or reading it, mm in it, mm. okay? Okay? <laughs> Following day, they measured the blood in the quad with ultrasound. His word, gone, G-O-N-E. So in other words, what would normally still be there two weeks later, is gone the next morning. So here's what happens. How do we turn a four to six week injury into running in three days, playing in the world championships in 10? Well, that's all the longer it's supposed to take. Now he said four to six weeks is the norm. The norm, if you mismanage it, if you do it correctly, we now know it takes three days running, 10 days playing the world championships. Watch what would have happened under normal conditions. Let's just say we did the rice protocol. Rice protocol would have trapped the waste in and around the damaged site and prevent the natural flow of oxygen and supplies. Following day would have been dreadfully sore, bruised and swollen down the mid kneecap. For sure. For sure it would have looked like that. Likely on crutches for at least 10 days, 8 to 10 days on crutches, yes. you would have had significant tissue atrophy on top of the suffocating and killing of the otherwise perfect healthy cells who are not involved in initial trauma, you would have significant tissue saturated because you're not using the limb. You're not doing anything. And anyway, it's so painful, you can't do anything. Then, of course, if the cells began, if the, if the tissue began to mend, you would have faulty scarring that would have led to uh, um, adhesions and loss of functional range. On top of that, there's virtually no rebuilding of the related vascular network because you're not moving and you're freezing it. So it ain't going anywhere, and you're compressing it, for heaven's sakes. So the vessels that are trying to fix the problem, you won't let anybody in. You're blocking the EMT, the, the police, the ambulance, the tow truck from getting to the crash site. So then you say, well, so you didn't rebuild the related vascular network. And, of course, the myostatin levels are elevated as a result of inactivity, so you're not regenerating the muscle because the myostatin inhibits muscle regeneration. So the reason it takes four to six weeks isn't because you had a longitudinal quad tear. It's because it was so grossly mismanaged. We now know if you do it correctly, it's three days running, 10 days playing in a world championships. Now, why does all that matter? By the way, I have hundreds of examples like that. That one just happens to be documented and they did ultrasound to measure the blood in the quad. So, and, and by the way, that's on a, a, a U.S. team that went to the world championships. Hmm. That's with a trainer who is at the top of the heap, a head trainer for 25 years in the league. Uh, so it's very, very credible. This is what actually happened. But I've got 100 examples or more. So here's what goes on. That individual scored a goal in the semifinals. They won. They played in the world championships. They won. That individual stood on the stage as the national anthem, as our national anthem was being played in the background and a gold medal was put around their neck. That doesn't happen if you had mismanaged them. If you had used the rice protocol, they likely didn't even travel with the team. 
Mm. Now just think about how profound that affects that individual's life for the rest of their life. Their grandchildren on their knee, they tell the story about how they scored a goal in the semifinals of the world championships, how they won the world championships, what it was like when a gold medal went around their neck when our national anthem was playing in the background. For the rest of their life, they hold it up and they show their friends that medal when they ask to see it. And maybe sometimes when you didn't ask to see it, but they've got it. By mismanaging that individual, none of the following happened. But yet we still have so many professional players that advocate for ice. And they're like, oh, well, can you rehab me? Like LeBron is rehabbing. Like they used ice. And I'm like, why are they falsely advertised? I mean, it's just marketing and advertising. It's like cigarettes being good for you. Well, I deal with those elite athletes. And uh, this is my opinion of what goes on. I, I, I'll tell you what, rather than my opinion, I'll tell you what really happened with a pitcher. I had a major league pitcher who they asked me to talk to. A, maybe not a brand name, but a star. So people, in that, people in that town know who this pitcher is. Okay? And he said, I'm explaining everything to him. And he said, he said, Gary, you know, I hear you but I got a question for you. I get paid several hundred thousand dollars a game to throw a baseball. And I've been putting ice on my shoulder since I was like 10 years old. I'm having a hard time doing what you're telling me to do. I said, I understand that. I get it. But let me ask you a question. Why did you want to talk to me? Well, because what I'm doing isn't working anymore. I said, okay, so we start now. So up to this point in your career, I don't know if it hurt you or helped you. It doesn't matter. It's no longer working. Would you have been better if you had listened to me your whole career? We'll never know that answer. But right now, let's talk about what you're trying to do. What are you trying to do? And recover. I want to be able to throw in five days in rotation. Okay, that's a cute answer, but that's not the real answer. What you're trying to do is decongest the area in and around the damaged site and rebuild the related vascular network if needed. Now, usually from throwing a baseball, there wouldn't be that need to rebuild the, the vascular network. More like an injury, you'd need to rebuild the related vascular network. Mm. But still, I say the same thing each time because maybe there's some damage in some of the vessels. You know, that's what adaptation is all about. Uh, so maybe after throwing a baseball a hundred times, there would be some needed rebuilding of related vascular network. I don't know that, but on injuries, the answer is yes, it's definitely true. But I told him, I said, look, you need to think about what you're trying to do. And when you understand what you're trying to do, it's so much easier to make the change. Is what you're doing decongesting the area in and around the damaged site? And he said, no. I said, okay, well, let's do that. And then tell me how you feel in three days. And that person is now one of my very loyal customers. Is it Corey Kluber? Corey Kluber happened to be one of my very loyal customers, but that's not, that one I wasn't Corey. I saw him on your website. Oh, yeah, that wasn't, when I, when I did the interview with Corey, um, it was uh, remarkable to me because I, I had no idea what he was going to say. I hadn't met him before, we, before I interviewed him. So when he first walked up, he said to me, uh, you know, what do you want me to say? I said, Corey, there's no script. <laughs> you say whatever's true. That's it. Whatever's true. And we did the take in one hit. Nice. And because that's all there was to, 
Uh, I don't ice, never liked ice, makes my arm feel stiff. I use this, my arm feels the best I've ever felt my whole career. If you have a chance to do this and you don't, you're making a mistake. Next. Exactly. <laughs> what do I say after that? I think you're good. I think you got the take. Um, Gary, where can our followers and our listeners find you? GaryRinal.com. So that's awesome. the last name is a little tricky. So it's G-A-R-Y-R-E-I-N-L.com. No, yeah, .com, right? That's how it yeah, works. Yeah, it's .com, yeah. GaryRinal.com. And anti-Iceman on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'm on Instagram. I think I am, but I don't. I don't. You are. Don't, you just don't have any posts. Yeah, you I don't know. On Instagram. I haven't figured Instagram out yet. <laughs> It'll be great. See, one of the advantages of starting in 1973 in this field <laughs> is that I started a long time ago. Yeah. One of the disadvantages is Instagram has me completely baffled. I do not understand how it works. You just hire someone like a like a grandkid, like hire them, someone who's like. 15. They're really great at Instagram. Even like being 26, like Instagram is probably, it's still like not that great, but like 15 to maybe 20. That was like the prime time for Instagram. Yeah, I don't get it. I I, don't don't think I've ever posted on Instagram. No, you don't. You don't have any posts. I went to look and there's no post. But it led me to your website. So that's Well, good. Thank you. I appreciate you going there. I would love to continue this discussion. I have to go see a patient. I am going to scream from the rooftops for everyone to stop rising. I'm super excited to get this podcast out there because it's, you are very, like you were able to explain it so that everyone can understand it. And hopefully all of Charleston will stop rising. <laughs> well, that, that, that is the goal of the mission. And uh, everything goes down to this. Think about the athlete that I just described with the longitudinal quad tear and think about if they had been mismanaged the story they wouldn't have told the rest of their life. There you go. Exactly. Gary, thank you so much. My pleasure. Happy to be here. It was great to meet you. My pleasure. Call me anytime. I will. Thank you. I'll email you, okay? Thank you. Okay. Bye, Gary. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram, find us at Healthy Charleston, leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.